thank you for joining the change i am possible which is india's first future tech podcast and today i'm delighted to have with me two guests from the good food institute nicole rock who is the innovation spe- uh, specialist at gfi so prior to joining gfi india nicole worked at invest india the national investment promotion and facilitation agency of the government of india as a special project nomination via invest india she worked under the office of the principal scientific advisor to the government of india to launch the national innovation commercialization initiative agni and nicole is passionate about climate action and public health dr akshay bhat is the science and technology specialist at uh, gfi akshay holds a bsc in bsc in biotechnology a masters in medical biochemistry and a phd in cancer and muscle biology from the national university of singapore He was most recently a founder of Falcon Bio, a cancer drug delivery and services platform based out of Singapore. Akshay is an accomplished scientist and entrepreneur. So, welcome to the show and it's a le- pleasure to have you guys talk about what's coming. So, I'm super excited about uh, uh the future of food and and, and what's going to offer. So, uh Nicole, why don't you start with explaining what Good Food Institute is and what's its vision? Thank you Eddie it's great to be here. Um and put simply we're an organization of scientists, entrepreneurs, investors um trying to diversify protein sources for a healthier, more sustainable and just food system. Uh we primarily work across three broad pillars the first being science and technology. Um our team of PhD scientists works to advance um open source the uh, advance um the foundational science of alternative protein our corporate engagement team builds relationships with some of the largest world's largest food manufacturers meat companies restaurants and retailers to help them capitalize on opportunities in alternative protein um within our corporate engagement team sits the innovation team that i am a part of um primarily i work to build out the early stage ecosystem for alternative protein as well as work with investors and financial institutions to build out um their thesis for investing in this sector and then finally we have a policy team that works with regulators for free and fair regulation for plant based cultivated as well as fermentation derived protein and we also work with government agencies globally to increase investments in sustainable protein r&d um all of the um affiliates and agencies that i talk uh, all of the affiliate offices that i spoke to you about work towards the common mission um that drives our work which is how can we feed 10 billion people by 2050 through systems that do not negatively impact climate biodiversity and scarce natural resources the current food industry is something which is causing more sickness than health and the reason i say this is because in bombay uh the the bombay municipal corporation which is which is the richest municipal corporation in the world but it's still stuck with the 140 year old drainage system now all its sewage treated and untreated gets dumped into the arabian sea what happens is that the fish eats a potty we eat them then we have gutter water farming which is alongside central western and the harbor uh, lines 
which grows radish, ladies' finger, spinach, cauliflower, and many other green veggies. And, and these veggies have found high uh, uh, toxic uh, in them. You said uh, by 2050, we'll need to feed a huge Indian population. Globally also, the population is growing. We, we, are, we are now 7.9 billion at this point of time. Now, 8% uh, of the world populations are vegetarian or vegan. 90% of the population are non-veg uh, meat eaters. Now, poultry farming in India are known to produce chickens with the world's strongest dose of antibiotics to promote growth. Now, the study of the Bureau of Investigative Journalism suggests that colistin, an antibiotic of last resort, are administered regularly in Indian poultry farms. And if you visit slaughterhouse, I'm sure people will either cut down or stop eating meat completely. And post-pandemic, everyone has kind of knows the dangers of zoonotic disease. The entire food system needs an overhaul. And there's so much wrong with, with, with the food system. So, Akshay, would you like to take this question? What's wrong with the current food producing system? And how can we correct it? Hey, thanks, Eddie. And thanks for inviting me to participate in this, in this podcast. If you ask me, my answer is everything is wrong. Basically, the global food system is, uh, is how food is produced, processed and distributed across the world. The crux of the problem is how food is produced and within food, especially animal-derived food products such as meat, eggs and dairy, how they are produced basically. So when people and governments uh, used to talk about food security, let's say a decade ago, it meant that uh, as a nation such as our country, we need to have sufficient quantities of food which is aff affordable, healthy and nutritious to all our citizens, and this stands true to all nations globally. However, I think over the last decade, uh, the, 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 the definition has more or less changed. Um, there is an additional term of sustainability to this definition, which is so, so, so critical. And an article recently published in Hindu in August last year, I think, says that in 2016, nearly 27.8% of the Indian population suffered from moderate to severe food insecurity. And as of today, this number stands at 31.6%. That's approximately 50 crore people uh, uh, of India are facing this food insecurity. And, uh, and the report claims that India accounts for more than fifth of the global burden of food, food, food insecurity. The global population is expected to hit 10 billion by 2050, and India will be at the forefront accounting for nearly 17% or 1.6 billion of the, of, the, of the 10 billion of the population in 2050. So with uh, such staggering numbers and the accelerating food insecurity, the current modalities uh, of how food is produced, especially animal protein, which is going to get even more worse if we, if we did not address some of the very pressing issues on how this protein is actually produced. So the world uh, now produces more than three times the quantity of meat it did 50 years ago. Meat consumption increases as the world is getting richer. And in 2018, the production was around 314 million tons and 80 billion animals are slaughtered each year for meat. So if you come to milk, uh, uh, the world now produces approximately 800 million tons of milk each year. That is more than double the amount 50 years ago. So adding a very Indian lens to this, the number of food insecure people uh, in India, like I said, uh, have grown humongously over the last, say, four or five years. 
So achieving domestic and global food and nutrition security reliably is truly a very big challenge and probably one of the most pressing issues of our time, like I said before. The search for sustainable food and nutrition security solutions will get even more complicated. And basically with the backdrop of the uh, limited availability of water, finite amount of land for agriculture, and the way we actually produce meat is we actually grow crops, feed them to animals, uh, and then procure this meat by sacrificing these animals, which is, which is vastly inefficient and has several repercussions on environment, inflating prices of grains, legumes, etc., which ultimately leads to poverty. Uh, so industrial livestock farming also contributes nearly 18% of global greenhouse gas emissions, which is shockingly a much higher value compared to the transport sector itself. So just an example here, a chicken converts one calorie of the total of nine calories supplied to it into meat. Um, and 75% of the total uh, land globally is used for livestock farming, which is still unable to cater to a larger segment of the growing population globally. So the other key issue, like you mentioned, Eddie, is, is the antimicrobial resistance or antibiotic resistance. Uh, and as I think everyone has witnessed over the last couple of years, COVID-19, 20, and still continuing to 21, and hopefully uh, we don't have a much more persistent pandemic anymore, uh, there has been, substanti uh, there has been uh, substantial evidence that uh, such animal-derived microbial infections could lead to uh, much more devastating pandemics in the future, stemming from the, the sheer amount of antibiotics uh, fed to animals today. So it, it is estimated that 10 million annual deaths will occur because of antimicrobial uh, resistance by 2060, which is several folds higher compared to current numbers. And bypassing animal, uh, by, bypassing the animal, basically the middleman and processing more plants uh, or culturing more cells or doing fermentation, which I'll come, uh, come to a little bit later, into meat and cultivating meat uh, from such modalities. Uh, into food for human consumption is perhaps the, the best way we can, and perhaps the only way we can actually provide sustainable uh, food solutions to this fast-growing global population. Right, right. So you mentioned, I mean, the current food production system is completely not sustainable. And then we have innovation in, in the ecosystem through various means and processes where we can look at the future of food Right. So I, I'm excited for that. And we'll definitely get into the, the like, what are the different possible op, uh, ways where we can alternatively produce protein. Uh, Nicole, I'll, I'll get to you. So, you know, globally, there is great innovation happening when it comes to the future of food. There are already companies such as uh, Impossible Food, Beyond Meat and so on and so forth, who are like really innovating when it comes to the future of food and finding ways to create you know different kinds of uh, uh, alternative protein so, so akshay would you like to talk about and explain uh, what smart protein or, or alternative food is because at this point in time it's a little confusing you know when you say smart protein could, could you like uh, break it down for my listeners please Absolutely, absolutely. So, uh, so what is smart protein? By definition, uh, uh, the smart protein is basically uh, a rapidly, actually, a rapidly growing global industry uh, offering a safe, nutritious, as well as a sustainable solution to animal source protein. So, smart protein foods basically replicate the sensory and the culinary and the cultural experience of meat, eggs, and dairy, but are made from exclusively either plant-based ingredients or directly from culturing animal cells, which we call as cultivated meat 
all through microorganisms, which we which we have the term called as fermentation, uh, which means they also vastly use less amount of land and water with tremendously lower greenhouse gas emissions and probably are very very uh, have very vastly less risk of let's say public health in terms of infectious diseases. Our MD Mr. Varun Deshpande mentions this very frequently, and I'm just borrowing his lines or his words that just a smart smartphone smartphones leapfrogged over telephone lines and catapulted India to the digital age. We have a chance to leapfrog over uh, industrial animal agriculture to produce proteins that taste uh, probably uh, the same or much much better and cost the same or less as compared to animal uh, derived proteins. Nicole, I'll, I'll go back to you. Uh, how are Indian startups doing in the smart protein space? Yeah, thanks, Adi. Um, so globally, um, 2020 was actually a record year for investments in um, alternative protein companies globally. Um, we saw a $3.1 billion invested in companies across the world. Um, and interestingly, APAC is actually the fastest growing region for alternative proteins um, globally. And plant protein seems to be an emerging trend across India. And we're seeing this as well in terms of this number of um, startups that we've been working with. So across all categories of plant-based, fermentation and cultivated, currently there are, there are about 50 different startups that are at different levels of um, product development. Um, and mostly, well, we're mostly seeing companies within the plant-based space. Um, we're hoping for more sort of momentum um, to push forward the cultivated and fermentation space as well that we're extremely bullish about. Um, but what we're, what we're really excited about is a couple of startups that are really um, catapult, catapulting the consumer awareness of, and ca uh, category awareness of these types of products within India. So um, Imagine Meats, which was founded by um, Bollywood couple Janelia um, and Ritesh Deshmukh. We're super excited about that because we think having companies like that join um, join this plant-based meat movement in India um, is likely to position these uh, products to the mass market because of the founder's mass appeal, of course. Um, um, and of course, we hope to see continued momentum and we're hoping to see more companies come forward as several of the initiatives that we're planning across our departments come into fruition. We're hoping to see um, a much larger number of companies being launched. We're hoping to see new product launches over the coming months um, and essentially companies scaling across India. When you say that, you know, we are redesigning food, it's difficult to fathom because, you know, for, for age old, I mean, we've been having food which has been naturally produced. Now we are at the cusp of redesigning food. Now that's exciting. Though there is, you know, one side where you, we are tinkering with the source code of nature. You know, we're taking, we're redesigning food that at times might not go well with people. But I guess the narrative needs to go out to the people saying that this has a lot of advantages and benefit. And I guess, and that can only happen once there's a community and awareness. And I and wish you the very best because I think you guys are doing really uh, a good thing by raising awareness and building a community to, uh, towards that. So, Akshay, coming back to you, you know, would you like to break this down, you know, for my audience? Because you said that there's, there's plant-based, there's cultivated meat, 
and there's fermentation derived meat what do you mean by that what is the process so sarcoma yeah. basically consists of three verticals uh, say from a production as well as an infrastructural perspective uh, plant based meat eggs and dairy the first vertical the second one being cultivated meat eggs and dairy and the third one is fermentation derived proteins so plant based meat meat uh, closely resembles let's say a conventionally derived meat product animal meat product and in its organoleptic properties meaning its look taste and mouthfeel and this made only uh, by using a combination of plant or crop ingredients such as pea or soy protein for example uh, impossible foods which is a us based uh, alternative protein company or smart protein company uh, which is now kind of celebrity of sorts in the sector makes its right. burger using soy and potatoes uh, for fat content they use a blend of different oils such as coconut as well as sunflower oils and for binders which will help bind these uh, let's say plant proteins together they use components from methyl cellulose and food starches which is completely safe uh, which and which also holds uh, this meat together so this is then made into patties and meat meatballs and then put into burgers and like this there are several such companies for example there is one more company called is beyond meat which has a combination of pea and moon proteins and certain edible oils and they claim that their their, their product is completely free of gmos nitrites hormones uh, soy and also gluten Uh, so numerous such companies uh, have also emerged in India, and uh, I think Nicole did touch upon that as well, uh, which will help or cater to the increasing demand for plant-based proteins, both locally as well as uh, in the international markets. So the second vertical is uh, what we call as cultivated meat. Uh, it is known by several names such as cultured meat, cell-based, or even synthetic meat, which we have come across in in India as well. So it is definitely not palatable. Uh, we at GFI India prefer the the term cultivated meat uh, because it sits well in terms of consumer perspective as well as acceptance. Uh, so cultivated meat is basically produced using existing tissue engineering techniques, which have been widely employed in biotechnology before for several decades. Uh, so basically, we cut out the middleman, take the cells, and put them in a culture, basically in a lab, and create a cell line, which is basically a set of cells which can grow either indefinitely or very let's say financially for a very very long term and so that you can get uh cells in very uh, let's say large scales or astronomical scales which is very essential for creating something like uh, a meat product so it basically involves uh, various steps like you know uh, starting with the cell starter culture using a combination of cells such as muscle cells which is very important for meat uh then also employing fat cells and other support cells and growing them in combination or independently and then combining these and then creating something called as minced meat product or something of that sort um so taking this step ahead the next thing is how we can make this more structured so companies and researchers across the world are employing uh, a technology called as scaffolding where uh, where let's say uh, a component serves as a, uh, a base where the cells can be seeded and grown so that ultimately when when the cells mature and you know you get the real meat it looks like the whole cut meat which you get from uh from from animals such as steak right so uh, that's one more uh, area and there are several other next step things which are happening for example people are also looking at 3d printed meat i don't know how how much of uh, let's say traction that field is going to take or is it going to take off in the near future but yeah i mean there are several angles which people are exploring in terms of uh, cultivating meat. so yeah basically this starts at the bench scale that is basically in a lab 
and then it is taken forward into let's say mini pilot scale facilities small bioreactors where they can uh, grow let's say cells in billions and then the last phase is basically industrialization where people employ large bioreactors cultivators with uh, probably uh, volumes running into thousands or even uh, millions and to produce basically cells in billions of numbers to cater to the bigger market across uh so that's that's more or less about uh, cultivated meat so now moving to the third vertical that is fermentation uh, so so fermentation involves basically microbiology in other words microbial species uh, are employed to actually produce proteins so this could be uh, in crude uh, formations such as you know whole cell uh, fermentation uh, which we call as biomass fermentation uh, where large quantities of produce, uh, protein are produced although they are very crude the uh, the, the the quality of the protein is crude the second uh, the, the second one is basically uh, precision fermentation where you know uh, companies employ microorganisms to produce very high value ingredients uh, although in lesser quantities but compared to other modes of production i think fermentation serves as a very promising platform in terms of producing these proteins uh, cost effectively and also in terms of keeping let's say the quality of the protein intact right right so uh, actually i'm going to uh, maybe like probe that a little bit further you know you said because i mean you know evolution has taken over millions of years you know to create a, a natural source of a protein a natural source of food you know but then at this point in time we kind of understanding ways to tinker it around and, and create the next step or, or the next evolution of, of food now how we we, we obviously we are at a very nascent stage of this how far or close are we to create food or meat which has the same texture the same feel will we ever be able to come closer to creating bones because i mean you know when you talk about uh, 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 meat it, it comes with a lot of flavors you know that there is the, the, the meat itself there's the, the the fat the flesh the tissues that there, there's the bones so there is so so much that goes into making that are we doing a deep dive into understanding or going closer to emulating the the actual meat is, is that a possibility if yes what would be the timelines to create meat that when we put in a mouth with eyes closed i open open we realize that oh this is it that's the real meat i think this is going to, this is an evolving space and we like like nicole mentioned that billions being pumped into this in this into the sector because people see that that is a promise that this is going to be delivered at some point in time either in the next 3 4 years or probably in the next decade or probably in the next 20 years when when companies achieve this cost uh, versus uh, let's say uh, taste parity across conventionally uh, as compared to conventionally produced animal meat so uh, personally i feel that fermentation will rapidly pick up from uh, uh, compared to uh you know cultivated meat uh in the in the next one or two years and probably cultivated meat would take a little more time because it is very very technologically driven and it might take a little more time to actually uh, you know capture that market and uh um, become a market leader but i feel that in the next 20 30 years or probably up to 2050 uh, cultivated meat is going to be the market leader in all these three uh, verticals and will significantly replace conventionally derived animal meat right yeah i guess there's some great things which are happening and which you thought was not possible 
is being made possible you know so so i am excited for the space so so nicole come, coming back to you now food is something which is almost i mean at least for indians it's it's very special you know so what do you think needs to be done to create a narrative when we have startups building these alternative protein or smart protein and which is ready to go to market what do you think would be the narrative that should be played out you know because there always will be the conversation of natural versus unnatural o- over the years everything almost all the foods that we eat eat is somewhere down the line is genetically modified you know beet papayas watermelons uh, and and bananas and so on and so forth and the list is quite quite endless it has helped in in, in a production scale and things like that but we were not tinkering it in a way with right now how we tinkering with biotech you know where we are actually you know tinkering around with you know the going to the a specific dna and things like that so so there is a great opportunity for you know creating the future of the food but what do you think should be the narrative to the people at least here in india because you know we the, the first thing that people take in is that natural versus unnatural conversation or oh, that this is was food this is what we have grown up in how can you tinker around with the, the, the food so would that be a challenge here in india according to you thanks for that um i think not necessarily just in india but globally food is quite um food brings people together food is culturally very significant all across the world um when we're talking about the foods that we're talking about so plant based fermentation cultivated we don't necessarily mean genetically modified we're talking about it more from an angle of a food processing lens um and um gfi india has run a bunch of consumer research studies um actually so in 2018 while only 39% um of respondents to our consumer survey were um had any sort of awareness about about what plant based meats were in 2020 we saw a 54% um respondent rate um of people having an awareness actually about what this category is um and within those respondents we saw that 77% of them were likely to try plant based meats and about 73% of them were likely to actually um purchase them regularly so though this category is still in its early stages in india we're seeing a really high positive disposition um for these types of products especially by um early adopters their proxies for um trying some of these products are not only just driven by health but are also driven by um aspects like animal cruelty and impact on the planet um the beyond burger the impossible burger is a hero product in the us the burger might not be a hero product in india and so we're seeing a bunch of startups come up with um the right indianized version of those plant based meat formats in india we're seeing um plant based mutton samosas we're seeing plant based chicken shami kebabs we're seeing things that really appeal um to the indian market um and apart from that early adopter cohort that we spoke about as well 
um, these products are very much meant for um, the flexitarian or the non-vegetarian population that are already eating meat. These products aren't meant to um, taste like your first-generation soya nuggets, which were meant to be a high-protein alternative for the vegetarian population. These products taste the same, they look the same, they smell the same, um, they cook the same as your conventional meat products. Um, and contrary to you know, popular belief, India is not a vegetarian country per se. So 71% of India's 1.3 billion people um, already self-identify as non-vegetarian. And this is as per the uh, last um, census survey that was run in 2014. Um, and with 60% of this population actually um, eating meat um, at least occasionally. And most of these respondents cited income rather than religious structures as the major impediment for not eating meat more frequently. Um, so we're hoping, and you know, Akshay mentioned as well, um, this leapfrogging almost um, of industrial animal agriculture. So why not skip that phase altogether and go directly to some of these meat alternatives that give um, people the indulgence that they seek from meat um, but, but without all the negative externalities associated with, um, you know, industrial animal agriculture. Just adding a little more perspective to uh, what Nicole just said, I think this market is just going to grow, right? It's not going to uh, go down. In other words, I think if, if the younger tech-savvy population are consuming more of, let's say, smart proteins, then I think that is a population which is going to be probably the majority of the population by 2050. So yeah that's that's how it's going to grow right and, and i guess the younger population are more aware and they are more responsible so if there's a narrative created with possibly maybe celebrities endorsing and creating the narrative that there is an impact on environment because of the current uh, food production system and and push forward that what we have been doing with animal cruelty you know and create some empathy i guess there will be a natural movement towards this alternative protein now there is great innovation happening globally you know you spoke about 3d printing there's a startup in israel which is 3d printing meat and they are also personalizing the food according to you so we we are going into some you know, a, a, a great space, a great future for us when it comes to everything, not just food. As a biotech expert, is there an approach you favor which you think will have mass appeal and will be scalable? I mean, uh, I don't have a concrete answer for this, to be very honest, as to what approach would, would actually uh, be the best in terms of, you know, pursuing uh, across plant-based, cultivated or, or fermentation. I think, I think uh, like I mentioned before, probably we should, we should probably leave it to the market to analyze and understand as to which of these products would uh, the larger mass actually consume and prefer moving forward. Uh, and as people, uh, uh, you know, uh, consume less of conventional meat, more of, let's say, plant-based uh, diets or uh, something which is derived out of uh, smart proteins, I think that will give us a much, much better picture or perspective in terms of uh, which of these could be uh, the ultimate, let's say, a winner. 
Right, right, right. Yeah, yeah. So, so, so Nicole, I, I was on the website, GFI website, and I saw that Indra Nui is, is one of the, 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 the who's endorsing uh, your company and not just uh, GFI, but also the, the future of food. What has been the support system so far? Because see, this this is something which is in a very nascent stage. It's just kind of, you know, we, we're just kind of figuring out the nitty-gritties of what this future of food, alternative, smart protein is going to look like. How uh, is the ecosystem being here in India? The investor, the government uh, system. Would you like to talk about that? To your point, she is a huge champion for... Um, the alternative protein sector globally. Um, the In India specifically, um, we feel like India has a huge role to play um, for the global alternative protein sector. And there are a couple of points that I want to quickly um, talk about. So India, as we all know, has tremendous crop biodiversity with crops such as pulses and millets, which has a huge promise to diversify the raw materials actually used in the entire global um, alternative protein raw material supply chain. Um, so there's a number of startups that we're working here that are looking to leverage some of these um, underexploited and diverse, diversified and as well as high protein crop varieties, um, working on them and optimizing them um, for superior functionalities as well as inherent nutrition completeness um, so that then when they are used in some of these plant-based meat or dairy or egg products, they lend themselves to cleaner label products because they are optimized specifically for use within um, those products. Um, apart from that, um, India, of course, has its existing capabilities, both in biopharmaceutical manufacturing as well as in fermentation. And both of these lend themselves quite well to um, the cultivated meat as well as the fermentation-derived sector that Akshay spoke about as well. And so we're seeing startups in India um, developing products that can act as raw materials as well as ingredients providers for some of these um, startups globally. Um, and fermentation, um, as Akshay spoke about, is particularly compelling for low and middle income contexts just because of the um, costs and scale and adaptability to diverse feedstocks. So here as well, we're seeing a lot of investor um, interest because they feel like um, fermentation can play a really important role in de-risking the entire alternative protein industry um, at scale by sort of improving the resiliency as well as the environment, uh, environmental sustainability um, of producing protein in this manner. The opportunity that we're looking for in India is a 10-year um, horizon. This is very much a sunrise sector. By 2030, countries like um, India and China are actually going to be the highest contributors to the increase in um, protein demand globally. And so a lot of investors are betting on that um, extended um, time horizon, that 2030 time horizon. So a lot of the work that we're doing here is actually building out that ecosystem right. to anticipate that demand that's going to be coming in over the next couple of years. And of course, very much seeing India um, as a manufacturer for the rest of the world. Lovely. Yeah, more power to you because we need more players to kind of lay down the foundation of the building blocks of, you know, what the future of food is going to look like. So, so, so Akshay, uh, would you like to talk about the latest innovations that you see in, in the space which has caught your attention? And when do you think we're going to be seeing here, at least here in India, 
smart protein on a dinner table when we can actually see meat uh, on our dinner tables it, it in fact it depends on whose dinner table you are talking about <laughs> because plant based meat is already available in uh, you know um, in probably some of the supermarkets not probably in india but elsewhere as well correct me if i'm wrong uh, uh, nicole and uh, several food aggregators uh, are foraying into this sector uh, supporting the launch of new products in the market so domino's pizza for example uh, which i think every other city dweller in india knows and relates to uh, has already launched their first plant based uh, uh, pizza so something of this sort i think uh, we are moving towards a, a place where uh, this kind of products are becoming more and more affordable uh, another instance is just eat a cultivated meat uh, company they recently got uh, regulatory approvals in singapore and launched their chicken uh, cultivated chicken nuggets uh, firstly in one of the one of the very high end restaurants in, in singapore and later moved on to a food aggregator which is called as food panda which uh, basically you know uh, caters to online delivery things of that sort So, Shiok Meats is another company which is based out of Singapore, and they're claiming that they'll get their first product out by by early next year. Again, this is going to be in high-end restaurants. Um, the cost of uh, cultivated meat is also coming down significantly. In 2013, when the first cultivated meat burger was, uh, that was a tasting session in 2013, basically, uh, by the creator of this, that's Mark Post. Uh, and at that point in time, the cost of one burger was three hundred thousand dollars. So that's humongous, right? No, nobody can actually afford that. But now you see, uh, probably eight years down the line, uh, the cost. The companies basically this guy is he's a co-founder of a company called Mosa Meat. So Mosa Meat is now claiming that they have reduced the cost of uh, cultured media by eighty, eighty, eighty x that is eighty times. They have got down the the cost of fat component of their cultivated meat by sixty six times or sixty five times, and. they are also claiming that by next year they'll be able to launch their their cultivated burger in in probably supermarket uh, uh, mega chains uh, uh, at the cost of 10 dollars per, per burger so that's a huge cost reduction you are seeing and ultimately uh, uh, what what i would like to say is that currently it is probably available only for let's say the affluent segment of the population globally but moving forward probably it's going to come to the table of a middle class family and much much uh, 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 several years down the line, uh, probably you can see that every other single man who, who probably in the lowest income brackets, uh, could afford uh, an alternative meat or uh, a smart protein product. Nicole, I mean, it's not just your your meat, right? It's not just a meat product. There are people who are innovating with egg and cheese and so on, so forth, so forth. So, could you talk a little bit more about that? Which are the alternative food products that is going to be alternates of, and what are the initiatives of? uh gfi is there anything that you're building push this ecosystem forward yeah sure so um it, it, it you're right it's not just meat that we're talking about we're talking about meat we're talking about eggs we're talking about dairy um and we've seen some of these products launch within the indian market um so we see companies like blue tribe foods um you know that came out with a plant based chicken nugget last year There's a company in Bangalore, a startup called Shaka Hari, um, that launched the plant-based mutton samosas that I was talking about, and actually just tried this weekend and had my family try as well. And my family um, very much eats meat and was also pleasantly surprised by how meat-like um, this product tasted. Um, you have companies like Good Milk. Um, you know um offering um plant based dairy products so not just plant based milk but plant based butters uh plant based yogurt 
Um, and then again, you have companies that are innovating in the field of eggs. Um, while no products have come out in the market yet, there are companies that are currently working on it and we expect for them to have launches uh, later this year. Um, but in saying that, um, the Good Food Institute India um, works with startups um, and, com and you know, formal companies um, across the value chain and works with um, companies at different levels of their product development across plant-based, across fermentation, across cultivated. Um, and one thing that we found that all of these um, companies really need right now, especially given how nascent the ecosystem currently is in India, um, is a community to rally them and to support them. And so we have a GF Ideas India community that we're really proud of. It's a 650 member plus community um, with stakeholders across entrepreneurs, investors, uh, scientists, um, food, uh, food professionals, um, you know, that are very much interested in this sector. And since we are a nonprofit agency, of course, um, this is a completely um, free community that you can join. And any of your listeners, if they are interested, um, are free to join. And um, we do a lot of research that I like the consumer research that I spoke, spoke about earlier um, in this podcast, we do a lot of consumer research. The science and technology team that Akshay is in have done a bunch of strategic analyses in different areas um, across these different technology areas that are most relevant to India um, and what we see as white space opportunities for entrepreneurs and investors to really um, come in and take advantage of. And so research like that, um, we have a number of databases and directories that we're constantly building up, whether that's for um, entrepreneurs that are seeking investments or investors that are looking to um, invest in, you know, um, some of the largest or some of the most promising um, alternative protein startups in India. Um, we have a um, ecosystem database that we're building out for innovators and entrepreneurs that are looking to scale up their production and are looking for a co-manufacturer or they're looking for a co-packer. Um, we provide all this information and all this supporting infrastructure for um, the community to really take advantage of. And of course, um, all we ask is that people bring in their interest um, within the sector and are really looking to work with each other to really push forward um, this sector in India and globally. Um, apart from that, um, this year we'll be launching a um, the second iteration of our innovation challenge. We ran an innovation challenge last year that was um, entirely focused on the plant-based sector. This year we're sort of extending that to include both fermentation as well as cultivated as well. Um, it'll be open to students as well as entrepreneurs and young professionals that are really looking to enter this sector. Um, and we'll be providing them with a sort of... Um, five-month acceleration roadmap almost where um, providing them with all the resources that they'd require to understand what this industry is really all about as well as specific opportunities that we feel they could tap into um, and really excel in. Um, so that's something that we'll be launching in August of this year. So for anyone listening, if this is of interest, definitely look out for that. Um, and then apart from that, um, we run a, we have a flagship 
um, summit that we host every year. We started hosting it in 2018. Um, we'll be hosting um, our third iterate, sorry, our fourth iteration of that in November of this year. So again, anyone interested in the sector and really looking to understand how India fits into this global um, landscape of alternative proteins should definitely register for that and attend that um, when we do launch it in November. It'll be a mostly virtual event, so um, accessible to anyone with an internet connection, really. So definitely look out for that one as well. We're getting into a super, super exciting world, in a, uh, exciting world. And now both of you have been vested in this space for quite a long time. Would you like to paint a picture of what the future of protein, future of food is going to look like in this decade for India? Honestly, in a nutshell, GFI India's theory of change is to make something people want. Um, we don't want to ask meat consumers to stop consuming meat. We don't want to tell people what they should and shouldn't be consuming. This isn't really a moral debate or a moral argument. Um, but simply, we want to give consumers um, the meat that they love, but in a way that is better for the world and better for business. Um, so what we're really trying to do is give you um, the meat that you love, um, that tastes the same and costs the same, and so gives you a viable alternative for something that you're already familiar with and something that you really do want to consume. Um, and that's exactly what we're working to build in India and locally. Yeah, I can quickly jump in and say that one of the other aspects which uh, GFI India, GFI Global Impact focuses on is science and technology, research and development. So that is one of uh, one of our biggest focuses in terms of promoting open access uh, smart protein research projects. Um, and we, we have a dedicated science and technology team for that globally. And we, we also have this uh, iteration of this annual GFI grant program where researchers and scientists across the world can apply for these grants and create research, which is open access to everyone, each and everyone uh, who's, who's, who, who wants to read about what, what they've done with that project. So um, we've also built a science and technology community in India, which uh, we recently launched. We recently had the first science-y kind of a webinar, which was just focused for science, scientists and researchers in terms of uh, uh, publications in a very high impact journals such as Nature and Science. Uh, and uh, by that, you can understand that uh, how, how seriously this, this field is moving forward when we have uh, publications in very highly uh, reputed journals. Um, but yeah, overall, I, I, I feel that, you know, uh, in India, the sector is picking up in terms of research and development. We have had uh, a grant which was awarded to the, the Center of uh, Cellular and Molecular Biology in uh, uh, um, which, is, which is located in Hyderabad. Um, an amount of 4.6 crore rupees to do research on cultivated mutton meat. Uh, and one of the other stakeholders, um, uh, Dr. Vinod Verma from Sanjay Gandhi Postgraduate uh, Institute of Medical Sciences, Lucknow, uh, was awarded a 50 lakh grant to do open access research, uh, again in developing stem cells or cell lines in cultivated uh, mutton as well as in chicken. Uh, we have had a couple of uh, startups in India as well for focusing uh, on cultivated meat. Uh, we have clear meat, uh, which is uh, focusing on uh, creating cultivated chicken as well as mutton, and we have a scaffolding company like like a, like what I explained before in terms of scaffolding. Uh, we, the company's name is MyoWorks, which is uh, developing scaffolds for uh, 
cultivated meat products uh, they they basically function as enablers within this ecosystem to help uh, you know companies which are focused on end product to launch their products in the, in the market so i think i just wanted to get this perspective out and uh, just to cover up i'm sorry just to round up what uh, nicole just mentioned about uh, uh, how and where we see our ecosystem moving forward in 10 years uh, what we expect and what we believe we want to do is the next 10 years we want to have more such grant programs more open access research so that people a common man can go and read such white papers and publications start feeling safe start trusting such products and uh, probably uh, over a period of time we'll see more acceptance for the first time in the history of uh, human civilization we've got the opportunity to correct the wrongs the the environment which is screaming for attention you know i mean this climate crisis just recently i think uh, uh, in canada there, there there was a heat wave hundreds of died 101 nobel laureates uh, wrote uh, uh, assigned that how we are staring at a climate crisis and our production of food it is one of the cause because of the the climate problem and 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 plus it it's not more about being morally or ethically right about eating meat but it's just that if we understand that or the and respect uh, each and every every species you know and we care for others i think we'll we'll go and we'll create a better planet because there needs to be empathy towards our animals so far we, the way we have treated animals is not right and now we have this option of creating or redesigning the future of food so i'm really excited for that and i hope that this vision plays out with, without a, any obstruction so wish you the very best and, and thank you for being part of the podcast and to my listeners if you like what you see in here please press the subscribe button and until next time see you guys bye bye thank you thank you